2: blood talk radio
0: Go for it, I am your host Paul Gant, for the next 60 minutes. We're going to be talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And of course, as always, you'll get a heavy dose of my opinion. I have an opinion and number to call 646 727 3070. That's 646 727 3070. You can listen to the show blog talk radio.comslash pgant. Send messages to the show on Twitter. At GoForkIt, G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. You can hit us up here in the chat room here at blogtalkradio.com. Great show lined up for you today. Expected to be joined by Arizona Cardinals safety, Darrell Eskridge. He's going to talk about his season with the Cardinals. Also talk about childhood, very interesting childhood. Darrell was homeless at one point in his life. And and, and so, you know, he's got a good story to tell. So we're going to talk to Darrell about that. Also, Jordan Payton, former UCLA wide receiver, will be joining us as he talks about his journey to the National Football League. He's preparing for the draft 20 days away, so it's pretty much right around the corner. So we're going to talk to Jordan about his prep for the upcoming NFL draft and, you know, get his thoughts of the process. I mean, it's a long, drawn-out process, and we're going to get Jordan's Peyton's take on the process of the NFL draft. Also, Ryder University assistant basketball coach Marlon Guild will be joining us, and we're going to get his take on what he saw Monday night, UNC, Villanova, Chris Jenkins with a buzzer beater. Some believe the greatest championship game played of all time. That's saying a lot. But it was definitely a great game, and it was definitely a great ending, the first buzzer beater since nineteen eighty three, since Jimmy V in 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 North Carolina State. Lorenzo Charles. Wittenberg with the shot. Charles with the finish. And and as soon as you know as Jenkins hit that three, my thought was, What was the last time we seen something like this? You know, I I you know, you think about Jordan, his jumper, and you also think and that wasn't a buzzer beater, but you think about Keith Smart. You know, you, you think about that as well. But I mean, it, it, you talk about a shot from downtown, 25 feet at the buzzer for the victory. I mean, that's 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 big time, man. That that's huge. That's huge. And so, Chris Jenkins hit it from downtown, big time. Villanova, you know, found a way to get it done. And you know, people. in by no means is this an upset by and by no stretch of the imagination is this an upset because Villanova was ranked number one at one point in the season. is the number two seed. Now, you could argue maybe, you know, coming into this game, you would have thought that UNC would have had the advantage because of their size, and they seemingly had the size advantage coming into the game, but it was all said and done. Villanova was the one who ended up outscoring UNC in the paint. Villanova outscored UNC in the paint. So, you just you look at it, and coming into the game, you thought that was the advantage, and it wasn't. Villanova and their defense, and their defense has been huge throughout the course of the season, and their defense has been huge, obviously, in this tournament, and their defense was huge Monday night. Great, great performance by Villanova. Great, great play call by Jay Wright down the stretch there and you got to look at north carolina and you got to say what's going on you let a guy like chris jenkins have an uncontested three no one guarding him the inbound uh, inbound person is always the most dangerous person you always got to watch the inbound person i know it was full court situation but you always have to watch the inbound person nobody watched the inbound person who happened to be chris jenkins Who happens to be a stretch four, who has shown the ability to shoot the ball from downtown? No one watched Chris Jenkins. He just went unmolested and he shot an uncontested in rhythm three. You got Archie Diacono, you know, who who broke it down there, who put it, you know, great play by Archie, Archie Diacono, got him in position got him in big-time position. He got it in rhythm three. And you look at Jay Wright. The way Jay Wright reacted was almost like Jay Wright knew, A, that the play was going to work, and B, that once the shot was in the air, it was a done deal. It was a done deal. And so you look at the game, and, and it was big time. I, I, you know, I don't. I hate to be prisoner of the moment, and, and you know, I feel like I would be a prisoner of, a mo- of the moment if I said that this was the greatest championship game of all time. I, I, that's hard to say. There's been some great championship games over the year, but if you want to talk about comparing buzzer beaters, if you want to compare this to the buzzer beater back in '83, 80, I thought this was, I thought this was a little better. Just I thought it was a little better. It Was a three, you know. It was it was a little longer shot. Obviously, you know that that Charles the shot was basically it was it was he grabbed an air ball and slammed it in. I, I mean, and I guess when that it was more unexpected. Obviously, no one expected NC State to be Houston and fly, and fly slam and jam, and no one. A lot of people gave Villanova an opportunity to win this game. And Villanova, as I said, was a num- was ranked number one in the country at one point during the season. So people gave Villanova a chance. No one gave NC State a chance. Heck, NC State really had no business being in the tournament. But I guess if you want to look at it from an upset, obviously it's an upset. What you went with uh NC State, what they did—that's an upset, no doubt about it, no doubt about it. This is not. But you know the quality of the game, and, and just. You know the the well the the whole sequence. If you look at the last sequence, where you have the scissor kick three by Marcus Page, and then after the scissor kick three by Marcus Page, you know Villanova calls timeout and they draw up a play and they get an open three. So that just the the back and forth and the ending of that game, I don't think you 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 you've seen that. I think you could make a legitimate argument that this was the greatest championship game of all time, at least the greatest ending. This was the one. This was the greatest ending of all time at least. That was big. That was huge. That was great. And Villanova ultimately wins the championship. Jay Wright now, a lot of people are looking at him in terms of NBA. So we'll see if Jay Wright, you know, goes out and takes advantage of this and decides to make that move. You know, let's see if he makes that move. At this point, Jay Wright has said he plans on staying at Villanova. He plans on staying at Villanova. So, I mean, that that means absolutely nothing when a guy says that because they could change their mind. And I know back in, um, at one point he talked to the Sixers a few years back about their job. And we're going to get to the Sixers in a moment as they've got a little shakeup in the front office. But um, you know, it's, it's it's interesting. It was a very good game. It, it's definitely a big time ending, and I think it's definitely a memorable game. Greatest of all time? I don't know. That that to me, I'm just going to say I don't know at this point. Let let me if I've had some time to think about. I had a week to think about it. And, yeah, it's just so many great games over the years, and it's hard to say greatest of all time. Was it great? Yes. Greatest, it was it top five? Probably. Maybe even top two? I mean, I, I, it's, it's hard to say. But I know for one, I know one thing was a memorable moment, and I know one thing Chris Jenkins' name will go down, will go down forever at you know we'll we'll never forget the name Chris Jenkins. Villanova history won't won't forget him. The the school of Villanova won't forget him and people from around the country won't forget him. North Carolina most definitely will never forget that name Chris Jenkins. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Jordan Payton, former UCLA wide receiver as he prepares for the upcoming NFL draft. You listen to Go for it on Block Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out East, though. I will say that the Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but
2: and that it doesn't, doesn't mean
0: anything in the playoffs time. When the playoffs count, it doesn't <laughs> mean anything. Uh, I was trying to throw you. Know I was trying to throw you a
2: bone, man.
0: I was trying to get your, nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones, well, we know that, you know, we know that you can kept married women. We've seen, you You, you have a pedigree. Ah! we see what you can do. We've seen it. Ah! Oh, I would never bring my wife around, you. I, I just don't yeah, know what you're man. capable of. Come on, now. Come on, now. That's all right. That's not, like, not rocky right. <laughs> That's called brother.
1: All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're Thanks. very,
0: very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. <laughs> and we're back. Go for it. Block Talk Radio, talking sports, having fun doing it. We're about to bring in a guy now preparing for the upcoming NFL draft. NFL draft 20 days away until we start hearing some names, until the, the, the fortune of, of some of these guys will forever Be changed, and hopefully the fortunes of this guy will forever be changed 20 days from now. Let's bring him in now, wide receiver, former wide receiver, former UCLA wide receiver, Jordan Payton. Jordan. Hey, how you doing? How are you, man? I'm great, man. Just, uh, you know, just relaxing, training, uh, getting ready for the draft. For sure, for sure. Sounds like good times. Let's get right down to it. February 29th. You tweeted out that you answered the speed question when you ran a 4.4740 at the combine. How important was it for you to answer the speed question? You know, it was
1: huge. You know, it, um, you know before and through the whole process before the combine, and uh, you know we that was the biggest question. You know, the, everyone wanted to know how fast I was. You know, so I wanted to show. You know, I wanted to showcase it on, on that big stage.
0: And March 21st, you tweeted out, keep the stock rising. That was a few days few days after your pro day. Do you feel like your stock has risen after your pro day and after the combine? I think it has,
1: man. I think that, I, you know, I've answered the questions. Um, you know, now it's just, you know, the evaluators saying, you know, I, I couldn't, I wasn't fast enough or, or whatever, and then I run that, and then I have a great pro day. Um and then, you know, so now I feel like my stock is definitely, is, you know, it's on the rise. I think it's, you know, it's, it's jumping, you know. And I feel like uh, for the teams, I'm getting great feedback from them, uh, having great meetings with them. And, um, you know, so, I, you know, I'm excited. It's, a, it's, a, it's an honor to be in this process. And, uh, you know, I'm just looking forward to draft day.
0: You have the size, you have the hands, and, of course, you showed the speed at the Combine but let me ask you this on the next level, what do you feel like you need to do a little better? Right. Um, you know, for me, it's,
1: it's just, you want to continue to develop fully, you know, you want to continue to, to always get better at everything. You know, I'm not going to just say, Oh, well, this is a big problem. I let me work on that. only. You know, I want to, I want to develop into, you know, potentially one of the best receivers. So you want to continue to work on every part of your game. So, you know, separation is a big one in the NFL, so you always want to be working, you know, explosive techniques, getting in and out of your breaks, uh, finishing, you know, up the field, catching the ball, tucking it
0: away, and just and just continuing to work on that stuff. We're talking to former UCLA wide receiver Jordan Payton. Jordan, you are number one wide receiver at UCLA. Do you feel like and do you see yourself as a number one wide receiver in the National Football League? Right. I You know,
1: as a competitor and a, um, a guy who – a great teammate who loves to play with his teammates, I feel like I could definitely be a number one receiver. Now, uh, in the NFL, it's a little different. If you get drafted and there's a guy already in front of you, you learn from him, you know, and you, and you compete against him and, and you, you drive him to get better. But also, you know, but my mentality is that you want to be a number one receiver. So, definitely, yes.
0: And let me ask you this. You're the all-time leader in – leader in receptions at UCLA. I mean, that's big time. That's saying a lot considering the history of UCLA football. What does that record mean to you? You know, it's just a testament, you know, of just how I've
1: been coached, really. Um, I've been coached by some, you know, a fantastic wide receiver coach in Eric Yarber. And, uh, you know, I have a tremendous head coach. So with Jim Mora and my strength coach, you know, I went to him for my combine training. And, um, you know, my 40 training, and he really helped me with that. So, Sal And so that's just a testament of what it is. You know, it's just hard work. And, and uh, I know that's the repetitive thing people say, but it really does
0: pay off. And let me ask you this now. There there was talk that possibly you could leave after your junior season. How close was that to happening for you?
1: No, no, not at all. You know, the ever, it was speculation, okay. you know. But, um, you know, for me it wasn't even thought. You know, I I didn't get to, you know – I wanted to stay four years and cement a legacy, you know, and I'm wanted—I okay. i can't. I'm a team player, man, so I didn't want to leave the guys behind. And, and um, you know, I wanted to, to finish out
0: four years. For sure, and you did that, and you're the all-time leader in receptions at UCLA. So that is big time. We're talking to former UCLA wide receiver Jordan Payton. You got the combines. You got the pro days. Obviously, you got all the interviews with, with various teams throughout the league. That's some pressure, man. How do you approach these situations where you you look at it one misstep could drop you in the NFL draft? So how do you approach this? You just, you know, it's the pressure is 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 something that, you know, like UCLA
1: coach Moore does a great job in just putting us in extremely stressful situations and having us uh try and having us be comfortable in those situations. So I feel like from my background, you know, with at UCLA and our coaching staff, I've been in those stressful situations, you know, whether it be in interviews and or uh, you know, the the Wonder or just everyday workouts, the the NFL teams around you at the combine, the Senior Bowl. So, you know, I it's you just gotta stay who you are, you know, and, and just know if, if you put in the work and and you're a hard worker and you believe in yourself, then you should be okay, you know, and that's that's how I approach everything. You know, I'm just be who you are and just work hard.
0: Was Wonderlick hard? Was it a hard test? <laughs> yeah, it's definitely pretty hard, definitely. Okay, all right, all right. And you had to do it pretty fast, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, 12 minutes.
0: Okay, all right, well, it's part of, you know, making it and, and playing in the National Football League. I want, let me ask you this now, and and, and your coach, you, you talk about Jim Moore Jr. And, and, you know, how he's prepared you for for, for this moment. And he's compared you to Anquan Bolden. Do you see that comparison and do you agree with that comparison? I feel like I do have um, some of the same, you know, traits as
1: Anquan. I think that that could definitely be an accurate, um, you know, comparison. I feel like I have a mix of stuff. I'm kind of like a hybrid between a couple other receivers. A little bit of Steve Smith. I have that little bit of chip on my shoulder when I play. Um, but have like a little bit of Dez and Anquan with the way I catch and break tackles. So um, it's definitely, you can definitely say that's a good comparison. I feel like um, I'm a little bit faster than Anquan not to take anything away from his game. He's one of the best of all time. So, but um, yeah, that's a, it's a great, it's a good comparison for sure.
0: Now you talked about the interview process about how many teams have you spoken to, to this point?
1: Um, You know, you, you talk to a lot of them, you know, I, Specifically, I can't really tell you how many teams. Okay. I, it's been a lot, you know. specifically. It's been a lot, but, um, you know, they we, they come out, they work out. Yeah, I've visited with a lot of them, so, um, you know, it's it's just a it's a it's a great process. It's an honor to be in this process, like I said before. Um, and you know, I'm just I'm living it up, man. I mean, and I I can't wait. You know, 20 days from now.
0: Now, like we said, you did the pro days, you did the combines, you're, you're doing interviews and in, in various with various teams, what else do you feel like you need to show at this point? Or or have you shown all you need to show? You know, for me, that's a tough question,
1: you know, because I, I've I've only been on the rise, you know. I've really put in a lot of work, man. I've, I've trained, you know, my butt off. I've, I've uh, been focused, you know, in this whole process. And, you know, now I'm just, you know, I put it all out there, you know. So I'm just, I'm excited, you know, when you put in all your work okay. and now, Now you're just like, let's see where it goes. You know, let's see what team takes me, um, and let's get it rolling. You know, at the end of the day, after the draft, you got to get rolling. you got to get yourself ready to play football.
0: For sure. We're talking to former UCLA wide receiver Jordan Payton. And, Jordan, you know, you're a California boy. The Rams have moved back to Los Angeles. I know you've said you've been on record as saying you wouldn't mind playing for the Los Angeles Rams. Talk about that. Yeah, you know it's it's definitely
1: um, it's great. You know, I'm an LA kid. I went to school out here and uh, born and raised. So it's it's awesome. The city is is uh, is extremely excited for the Rams to be back here. Um, it's going to be an amazing thing for the city of Los Angeles. But um, you know, for me, yeah, I would definitely love to play for the Rams. You know, it, it, it that's a that's a great pro a, a great organization. Um, but at the end of the day, I don't get to decide. So um, any team that picks me. Let's get it rolling. You know that's the mentality.
0: So you've been in California pretty much your whole life. Are, are, you, are you ready yeah, to leave exactly if exactly. you have to? Oh,
1: definitely. You
0: know, okay. Life is about changing. You know, and
1: adapting to change. So, you know, you got to adapt quick and get it rolling.
0: Let, let me ask you this now. I, I'm seeing some where I'm seeing some mock drafts where you may go three in the third round. Some I saw five elsewhere. I mean, what are you hearing in terms of? the round that you may go in. Right. Yeah, a lot of them have me, you know, push back. But from the teams, I get great feedback. So a lot of the
1: teams have me. Most of them, I, from the feedback I've heard, have me in second and third round. You know, that okay. those those are where I feel like I've had a lot of, uh, you know, people telling me that. So we'll see. You know, and whatever team takes me, it's going
0: to be a great journey. All in all, we, we, we look at this process they call the NFL draft. Give me one word to describe this process, the NFL draft process. One word: intense. Okay. Why? You know, that's that's this whole process.
1: I feel like it's intense. You know, it everything is to see who you are, and with intensity put on you. So put you in stressful situations, move you around, keep moving your places, pit. long, drawn-out days with early wake-ups, you know. That's all to kind of really find out who the person is. You know, it's intense. That's what that's, that's, I feel like for me that's the word that, that fits it perfectly.
0: So a lot of late nights and early mornings. Yes. Okay, all right. All in all, end of the day, why should any NFL team give Jordan Payton an opportunity on the next level. Right. You know,
1: first, for me, it's, I'm a team player. You know, I'll do anything to win. And, you know, it, it's that for me has been my motto since I've been a kid. You know, I've played in all special teams. I don't care what spot it's at. I catch the ball. I try to break a tackle because every time in my head it's about winning. You know, win this route, win this catch, win at this, beat this guy. You know, so – that's what it's all about for me. Um, and second, you know, I'm just I'm, – for me, I'm a well-balanced receiver. You know, I have, I have very few weaknesses, um, and I just – I play football, you know. So whatever team drafts me is going to get, you know, a kid who, who plays
0: with a huge chip on his shoulder and uh, who, who will do anything for the team. So, fans, make sure you hit, him, hit this man up on Twitter, at Jordan Payton and support the journey of Jordan Payton. One more question before we get out of here. If social media ended today, what would people do? <laughs> that was a great question, huh?
1: I was thinking about that at lunch one day. I was like, what would people do, you know? What would they do if it ended? I'm not sure, man. I know I would be okay.
0: I think I'd be okay as well, hopefully. Yeah, <laughs> But you're right, there would be a lot of people who would not be okay. <laughs> exactly. So, fans, again, hit this man up on Twitter, at Jordan Payton. Support all the great things going on with former UCLA wide receiver Jordan Payton. Jordan, a pleasure, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck. Let's do this again. Before we get out of here, one more thing. Where do you plan on watching the draft at? Um,
1: you know, it, it's probably going to be at my mom's house. If not, we'll we'll do it at a local restaurant in the back, and we'll just – we're figuring that out right now.
0: Okay. All right, so so it's in process right now. It's in planning.
1: Exactly.
0: Support the journey of Jordan Payton. Appreciate it, man.
1: Thank you so much. Have a great day, my man.
0: Take care. Former UCLA wide receiver Jordan Payton as he prepares for the upcoming NFL draft. So we'll see. I mean – you hear this guy is rising up the charts. Obviously, the 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 combine performance helped. Obviously, the pro day performance helped. So we'll see where he lands when it's all said and done. Come twenty days from now, that should be fun. That's you know should be fun. And and you know, guy like you got to be, you know, he said it's intense, and and it's got to be a lot of pressure. To, to deal with this particular situation because you just don't know where you're going. And, you know, ultimately your future in terms of where you're going to be going, at least for the next couple of years, depending on where you're drafted at, but your future will be, your 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 future residence will be decided pretty much come draft day. So it's, it's huge. You know, a guy like him, you know, he's, been in the California area his whole life. And so now, you know, if, if the Rams don't draft him, or, you know, the Rams don't draft him, or, you know, if the Raiders don't draft him, or the Niners don't draft him, he's going elsewhere. He's going out of the state. I know California's a pretty big state, but he's going out of the state. So obviously it could be a, a changing, life altering situation. And, and so, you know, we'll see what happens moving forward. We're about to bring in another guy now who, you know, Darrell Eskridge. You know, he's got a great story, great backstory. You know, homeless at one point, survived that, you know, survived the shootout. I mean, he, he survived a bunch of different things, and, you know, he's, he's, he's lived to talk about it, which is a, a great thing, definitely a great thing. And, and it shows me that this man and God had a big plan, a big future for this guy. Let's bring him in now. Safety for the Arizona Cardinals, Darrell Eskridge. Darrell, how are you, man? Thanks for joining us.
2: No problem. Thanks for having me.
0: Now, Darrell, you know, you, you, you got you know, your first taste of playoff action this year with the Arizona Cardinals who made it all the way to the NFC Championship game. First and foremost, what was it like to get that taste of playoff action?
2: Oh, man, it was, it was wonderful. It was a great feeling. I actually thought we was going to the Super Bowl. That would have been an even better feeling. But going to the playoffs, was it was great, man. It was a, it was a dream come true. It was some moments there that had had to uh, sit and tighten your, your chair. But, you know, that's all part of being in the playoff. Everybody is good. Everybody is, you know, working hard and showing up. But it, it was a great experience all along. What
0: was, what's your takeaway from – being in the playoffs, playing in the playoffs, what's your takeaway?
2: Uh, we got to fight a little. We got to fight uh, a, a little harder to get to the Super Bowl. That's my takeaway. We got to we got to do a little extra, do more than we we did, and, and just be better than we was last year. Which I know where we we will be. Uh, we 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 are a great team. Got a great staff. Got a a bunch of good players there that can take us back uh, to the playoffs and eventually get us to the Super Bowl. So you know. We just got to be better. We got to work a little harder and, you know, get in the classroom and study a little bit more. and Just be better and be ready for next year.
0: So you feel like this is a Super Bowl caliber team coming into next, going into
2: next season? I should say. Oh, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. We got all the tools at every position to, uh, to reach uh, the big dance. And, uh, you know, we we on the 18th we we about to start it back up, OTA and you know, get this thing back rolling. And we'll we'll be ready come uh, September.
0: We're talking to Cardinal Safety Darrell Eskridge, and let me let me ask you this now. And you know, obviously, you got your first taste of the playoffs. You know, there's there's preseason game, there's a regular season game, and then there's a playoff game. Tell us the difference. What's the difference from a regular season game to a playoff game?
2: I mean, a playoff game is more intense. Uh, you got everything is on the line. I mean, it's the same as a regular season game. We don't take nothing from uh no game, we approach every game the same way. But we just know in the playoff game that if you lose you you're going home, opposed to a regular season game where you could come back the next week and fix your mistakes and you know, uh uh have a chance to come back and get a W the next week. Playoff is is critical. Every every inch, every second, every down it matters and uh you wanna make the most of it. Playoff just it's just more intense. It's just uh it, it's tougher. It's a tougher atmosphere to play in. Uh, but it's it, it's I believe it's funner though. It's funner just being in those okay. type of moments, playing in the playoffs, knowing that you have to make a big play for your team. It, 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 it it's all happy moments, but it's critical.
0: For sure. And, and let me ask you this: I, I, I look at the game against the Carolina Panthers. They they got after you guys early and often, and and ultimately they dominated that game. Were, were you surprised the way that game went?
2: Uh, yes, I was very surprised. I, we came in the game knowing that we could beat Carolina. We had all the tools and and all the players to uh to beat uh Carolina. Uh, we 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 drew up a great scheme on offensively and defensively and on special teams to beat Carolina. But uh, like you said, when somebody hit you in a hit you in the mouth first, it's hard to right. hit back uh, once they get that first punch on you, and that's what they did. They they jumped out on us first, and it was hard to play catch up. But uh, we fought, we fought to the end, and you know they came out with a W. And you know, kudos to them, those guys. They got a great team over there. But uh, like like I just said, you can't get hit first and fact to win a fight. Right, right.
0: And, and they hit, like you said, they hit you in the mouth, and they hit you pretty hard. And then they ultimately won that game. Now, yeah, they hit, okay. up, they hit us go, pretty hard, but we.
2: we, we they they hit us pretty hard but we 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 never laid down. That's the good thing about our team. We never right. laid down. Uh we fought to the end to the to the uh the clock said 0 and you know uh that that what type of team we is. We we got a a strong team that rallied behind one another and uh we we didn't lay down like I said, but uh they won and you know that, that that's over and done with. We put that in the past and we ready for the 2016-2017 season.
0: And and speaking of the 2016-2017 season you know, again, you're with the Cardinals going into this off season. What is your role now? What, what role are you looking to have with the Cardinals coming into next season?
2: Uh, whatever role that they have for me, I'm just working hard on the off season so I could, I can help the team uh, any way possible, uh, special team, defensively, however they they uh, they need me. That's that's the way I want to be available for them. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm fighting for the star spot as a safety, but you know. Uh, this, this is only my second year going into the uh, NFL, and you know I, I still got to get my feet wet. So, you know, I just want to be able to help on special teams as much as possible. Wherever they need me at, uh, I'm going to help. If they tell me they need me to punt the ball, I'm going to try my hardest to punt the ball. <laughs> they tell me to be the center, I hike the ball. Whatever it, whatever it takes to get on the field and help the team, I'm all for it. How far can you punt it? <laughs> uh, I'll probably give you about, th- I give you about 30 yards right now. <laughs> all
0: right, all right, all right. We're talking, look, Arizona Cardinal safety Darrell Eskridge, and, and Darrell, you are a Syracuse guy, and you know we had the NCAA tournament. Your girls, Syracuse girls, they got to the championship game. Ultimately, they lost to UConn, and your Syracuse boys, yep. they got to the Final Four. Ultimately, they lost to UNC. Right. Were you happy to, to, to see your Orange men make it pretty far and make and have nice runs in the tournament?
2: Oh yeah, I definitely was. We uh. Those guys fought hard, the girls and the boys, and they made it farther than what people expected them to make. Uh, everybody always have some type of expectation for for a, a team, and you know some people didn't think that our girls, our boys would make it that far, uh, but they did, and they they fought hard and they worked hard, and uh, just being there the last, you know, last two years with some of those guys that there, I saw how hard they worked and how much how much time they put into their craft, man. Uh, it paid off, and both of them um, ended up at a big dance. But, you know, uh, somebody had to win and somebody had to lose. And, you know, they took the L, but they made it there, and I'm proud of them for uh, making it as far as they did. For sure.
0: Big-time big time runs by both teams, and like you said, unexpected. And, hey, you know, UConn's a very good basketball team, and so is UNC. So, I mean, they right. can't put their heads down after the run that both of those teams so- had. I want to ask you this now, and, and and life for you wasn't easy. At one point, you were homeless. How right. did you survive being homeless? How did, you, how did you survive that? God.
2: It's all God. It's all the man above, just keeping him first, having faith. If you don't have faith, then you will make it nowhere. And I always have faith that we'll get out of there and through hard work and having faith and having the courage to, and having the courage to, uh, having the courage to, uh, you know, get out of that that type of atmosphere. That's that what ultimately got me out of there. So you know, it, it's all God.
0: Were there times during the time you were homeless that you were like, "Wow, I don't know if I can make it through this"? Uh,
2: you know, sometimes you lose hope. At times you lose hope, especially as a kid, you lose hope because there's nothing really that you can do. But Um, Just looking at my mom, the the amount of strength that she got, I I, I rarely ever lost hope. Uh, Just during those times, she never cried and never made excuses. She did her best to do whatever she could to make make a better life for us. We were sleeping in the car. She made sure that we ate whatever it was that we ate. We got something in our stomach. She made sure that we took a bath, and she made sure that we had some type of clothes on our back. So uh, you know, uh we was homeless but we weren't out. You know, it was some, it's it's as many people who was living way rough uh rougher than us. There's people to this day who still live rougher than us. So you know, just you know, um I I never really never lost hope just 'cause my mom was so strong and she never complained just just having no father figure around when you see a woman not complaining and not crying and not losing hope then that gave you all the hope in the world and that's where my hope came from. Were you
0: scared at times?
2: Uh, of course, of course. You, you you live in that's that's a tough life to live. You live in, if you're sleeping in a car, you never know what can happen in the middle of the night or what can go on. You sleeping in a car, that's not you're not laying in an area where it's it's safe. You out in the open, right. so you know at times it was it was it was, it was some scary times. But we had each other, and we never. Uh, we never got away from that. It was always family over everything. So long as we had each other, we wasn't really scared. I protected the girls. I was the only boy around. So I protected the girls, and I had no fear. My And me having no fear came from growing up in the neighborhood that I grew up in, and seeing the things without seeing and doing the things that I did growing up. So you know, I had no fear, and I wasn't really worried about too much. Uh, I, I I think I seen it all. I think I, I done it all, Not I have been in it all. So it was nothing really the fear.
0: And, and, and like you said, you've done it all, you've been it all, you've been involved in a lot of situations. You also were involved in a, in a gun shootout pretty much as a teenager where right. you had a situation where seven people were wounded, two were killed, but ultimately right. you survived that as well. I, I, as I look at that story, that tells me that, that, that God, the man above, has something very big for you. Talk about that.
2: Right. Yeah, I was I was caught in a shootout where, I, like you said, I lost two of my friends and five of them got wounded, and um, I think that's like the most devastating thing that I've been through. And uh, God got me out of that situation because I could I could have easily been one of those guys who got wounded or, you know, ultimately got killed in that situation. But you know, I, I was able to escape and I was able to uh, you know just get away from that type of environment. So I, I know it's God got something special for me. as Long as I work hard and keep faith in keep my faith in him, and uh, just wake up every day trying to be the best man, be the best father, be the best son that I can be. Uh, I, I know he got something special for me.
0: For sure. And, and you survived many big things and a lot of tough, hard things, and you made it to this point. So keep going, keep pushing. We're talking to Cardinal Safety, Darrell Escrich. End of the day, Dora, i got to ask you this, ultimately, you know, when you're on a team, the goal is to win a Super Bowl, but what are your right. personal goals as you enter uh, the upcoming season?
2: I mean, like I mentioned before, my personal goal is just to get on the field. I want to get on the field and be able to help the team the best way I can. Uh, I want to be able to, you know, just provide for the team and be able to, you know, give them 110 percent, and that, that's my goal, that's. That's always been the goal, and that's the only goal that I have right now. I don't have no type of personal goal. Whereas people be like, I want 100 tackles and 10 picks. You know, that them things that come along as I work hard and get on the field. Once that ball in the air, I know it's mine. Whoever got the whoever got the ball, I know I'ma hit him and I'ma I'm knock him down. So I don't have no personal goal. It's all team goals, and uh, that's what type of player I am. I'm a team player. Always been. You know, at the end of the day, those stats don't mean nothing when you don't. Win a Super Bowl, or you don't go to the playoffs. So, no, I just I, I want to get to the playoffs. I want to win the Super Bowl, and I want to say I'm one of the guys who won the Super Bowl uh, next to k Webster, who who is also a guy from my neighborhood who won the Super Bowl with the Denver Broncos this past year. I just want to be able to go back home and say I won the Super Bowl, and just bring a, a Super Bowl to Arizona.
0: Is he one of your boys?
2: Yeah, K1 one of my boys.
0: So, did you pick his brain a little bit? Uh, did you ask him?
2: What it takes to win a Super Bowl? Yeah, I, I asked him. We went over it, and only thing he can say is hard work, dedication, and God. Okay, and that's that would be the oh. that'll be the same thing. I know I say because nobody knows what goes on the uh, the five days out of the week. Everybody just see what goes on on Sunday, and the five days out of the week is what gets you to Sunday and what allows you to play at your best. And, uh, everybody just think, uh football is about showing up on Sundays and winning the game, but it's really the five days that uh, that you're putting, putting in that work and you're studying and, and You're going over plays and you're correcting mistakes that make it easier for you on Sundays. And that's all he said, you know, hard work, dedication, and faith.
0: Sounds good. Fans, make sure you hit him up on Twitter at I am underscore DE35 and support all the great things going on with Cardinal Safety, Darrell Eskridge. Darrell, pleasure talking to yes, you, sir. man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck. Hopefully you get a nice little haircut, and hopefully we can do this again. Yeah, thanks for
2: having me, man. My guy gave me right right now. I'll let you see the fade. Okay. Follow me uh, on Instagram as well, Darrell Eskridge 37. Okay, all right. So we'll, we'll see what, what that haircut looks like. We'll see if
0: you're funky fresh. All
2: right, okay. Appreciate you.
0: Darrell Eskridge, Darrell Eskridge, safety for the Arizona Cardinals. Appreciate talking to him. Again, great backstory, you know, started from the bottom, now he's here type situation. And that's always a great story for me. I mean, I I, I love the here, those type of stories. Those type of stories are motivating, and, and they really help others. So, I mean, started from the bottom, now he's here type situation. He is here, and he is. Uh, you know, had an opportunity with the Arizona Cardinals, and hopefully he can make good on that opportunity moving forward. I, I, I want to switch gears now and I want to talk about what we saw last night Golden State and San Antonio, the Warriors, Spurs. Spurs Warriors get 70 victories, Warriors clinch home field advantage, home field, home court advantage throughout the course of the Western Conference playoffs. So it's a good situation for the Golden State Warriors now, and now the Golden State Warriors, you know, there's been talk that maybe, possibly, there could be a rest type situation going on, and you know, maybe the Warriors might rest these, uh, you know, rest for the final three games. It's that simple. They win the final three, they beat the the 96 Bulls and win 73 games. They went two of the three, they went they they tied the Bulls and went seventy two games. There's, you know, you can't hold your head down if you tie the Bulls. I mean both of you guys would go down in history. But I, I look at the Golden State Warriors and Draymond Green to me, you know, he kind of said it, you know, you're this close, you can't stop now. I mean, did you know and and here's the thing, back in nineteen ninety six when the Bulls were going for this record, we weren't talking about rest. There was never any talk about rest. You know, what are we talking about, rest? We're talking about rest. And now, you know, we're talking about rest. But anyway, Golden State, and, and you know, there's been talk that they might have put it out there. He's going to talk to the team about possibly resting guys. And, you know, I, I, I'm with Draymond Green. I, I think in life, when you have an opportunity to make history, you don't back away from it. You go for it. You, you bust right through the door. You don't step away, you step forward. You don't step back, you step forward. You don't sit uh, sit down, you stand up. You know, that's what you do. You don't sit, you stand. You don't go back, you go forward. And so if I'm, uh, uh, you know, Steve Kerr, I understand his reservations because ultimately this don't mean a thing if they don't get a ring. But at the same time, you know, Curry's already, in, in terms of history, he's on that historical, historic Bulls team that won 69 games. Now, you know, he could be there another time with his team. They could. Here's what I think. They'll at least win 72. I think they'll win two of the three. Something tells me San Antonio might get them Sunday night in San Antonio for the simple fact that, you know, first and foremost, San Antonio undefeated at home, and I think they want to preserve that. And, and you know, maybe Pop says, no, you know, let me just sit my guys down. I don't know. Is Pop at this point done sending messages? Does he want to send another message to Golden State? Or does he want to just say, you know what, enough messages sent. I got a veteran-laden team. Let me rest my boys, sit them down, and move forward. You know, maybe that's what Pop does. I don't know. But I, I – does Golden State get the record? That that to me they're kinda of limping to the finish a little bit. You know, they lost to Boston at home. Lost to Minnesota at home. And if you if you think about it, you take care of those two ball games, then you have that opportunity to rest guys. 'Cause then if if you beat Minnesota and Boston two very winnable games, especially Minnesota more so than Boston, but two winnable games, if you beat Minnesota and Boston, at this point you only need one to get seventy three. You would only need one, and also at this point, you could start resting guys, theoretically. You could rest guys for the final week. I know they got four games and five nights, and, you know, so they have that situation going on. But, hey, what's the difference between now and 1996 when the Bulls were going for it? You know, guys, they weren't talking rest then, so we shouldn't be talking rest now. Come on. We weren't talking rest then. So let's not talk rest now. And so I look at that, the Bulls obviously in 96 getting that record, and they wanted it, and they went for it. And I think the Golden State Warriors, they want it, and they should go for it. They should go for it, make it happen, and get it done. Get it done. But it's – you can't stop now. You just can't stop now. Not now. Not after all you've accomplished to this point. You can't stop now. Too close. Too close. I, I can Well, you know, Golden State has been banged up a little bit, but I mean, your main guys, Steph and Clay, and Draymond, have been pretty much clean. Pretty much. Pretty much healthy. Your big three, if you will. But you got this opportunity, man. Take advantage of this opportunity. As Draymond Green said it, you probably won't get another chance to do it. So since you won't get another chance to do it, you might as well do it. And see what happens. And you could talk about, well, you know, what if Steph gets hurt? Well, Steph could have got hurt, you know, earlier in the season. Steph could have Steph could have got hurt You know, if he hasn't, Steph could get hurt in the playoffs. I mean, at the end of the day, it could happen, but it didn't happen and it hasn't happened. So as far as I'm concerned, keep fighting, keep going for it, and, you know, and be immortalized. Be immortalized. Be in a situation where they're talking about your two-year run where you win 67 games in the regular season, and then you come back and win 73. Be immortalized. Be in a situation where they're talking about you the way they're talking about those Bulls teams in the 90s, where they won, they had that three-peat, the last three-peat, and during that last three-peat, you had a 71 season, you come back and win 69. Be immortalized like that. Let them talk to you about you the way they talk about those Bulls teams. Let them talk about you the way they talk about those teams. So if if I'm you know Steve Kerr I understand his reservations but if I'm the players I'm going for it man. I'm going for it. And you know whatever happens happens. You can't live life afraid. You can't do it. It won't work. It won't be successful. Life has to be lived on the edge, and living on the edge may mean. And I, you could say living on the edge, but history tells you, at least over the past year, over the past two years, that you've been a relatively healthy basketball team. Your big guys have been relatively healthy. Like I said, you could be in a situation where the Bulls. 72, 69, and 62 over that three-year spin, their third and final 3 Pete. You could be in that situation. That's rarefied air. You know, there's not many things that people can say. There's not many players in this league that can say, you know, I did something that Michael Jordan didn't do. There's not too many players in this league that can say that. The Golden State Warriors have an opportunity to say that. Say that They have an opportunity to say, you know, we beat that 96 Bulls team and have more victories than 96 Bulls team. Not many teams can say that. Not many people can say that I did something better than Michael Jordan, whether it's selling sneakers. Not many people can say I sold more sneakers than Michael Jordan. You know, not too many people can say it. But the Golden State Warriors are now have an opportunity to say that I, we, as a unit, did something better than Michael Jordan, did something better than that '96 Bulls team. And Scottie Pippen said those Bulls teams would sweep this Warriors team. Maybe I don't. I mean I, don't, I wouldn't say sweep, but he might beat them. You know he he said he would lock down Steph, and you know Michael would take care of Clay. And that's not out of the realm of possibility, Scotty. With his length and his defensive ability, he might most definitely shut down and lock down Dennis Rodman. You talk—I mean, not Dennis Rodman—Steph Curry. You talk about, but Steph Curry has unlimited range. But I—I think that would be fun, and you know, you you always—you know—these mythical matchups, and unfortunately in life, they just become mythical. Unfortunately in life, they just become fairy tales. Unfortunately, in life, you know, they, 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 they aren't real. They become a dream, if you will. And, and so it's a dream situation, a dream situation where we would see the possibility of the 96 Bulls against this Warriors team. It would be interesting. I mean, the Bulls does, did not have much of an inside presence in terms of scoring the basketball but in terms of, um, you know, rebound to basketball, obviously Rodman. In terms of defense, the Bulls team, they defended. Michael defended. Scottie defended. You know, that that Dennis Rodman defended. You know, that team defended big time. And so you look at this 96 Bulls team and the, the things that they can throw at this Golden State Warriors team, you know, in terms of, of their athleticism with Jordan and Pippen, you know, I, I just think, I think it would be fun. I uh, most definitely think it would be fun. And I I think the Bulls would win probably in six. I don't think it would be a sweep. I think Golden State would get two. I do. I really do. But, you know, I don't think Golden State Warriors could beat the Chicago Bulls in a seven-game series. But we'll never know. But it's, Okay, but at the end of the day, here's the advice for the Golden State Warriors, Steve Kerr, Draymond, and those boys. Go for it. You're this close. You may not get back here again and just make it happen. And, you know, you look at – I look at the Nationals many moons ago, a few moons ago I should say, where where Steven Strasburg and they, they shut him down and, and, you know, they had an opportunity obviously to get to the World Series that year. They had the best record in baseball. And they had an opportunity to get to the World Series and they said, you know what, we're going to shut down Steven Strasburg, and we're going to let him uh, – you know, we're, we're we're going to preserve him, if you will. You can't preserve people in sports because of the uncertainty in sports. Because, you know, here today going tomorrow, you know, good this year, bad the next. It's just so much uncertainty in sports. It's so much uncertainty. You look at the NBA now the Chicago Bulls. I'll just use them as an example. A team that many expected to, you know, make some noise in the Eastern Conference, a team that some believe could give Miami a run for their money. Not Miami, the Cavaliers are run for their money in the playoffs. Well, now the Bulls won't make the playoffs. So it's here today, going tomorrow type deal. It's just the way, the nature of sports. Just the nature of sports. But anyway, speaking of here today and going tomorrow, Sam Hankey of the Philadelphia 76ers. He was here a couple days ago. And now he's gone, sent out a 13-page letter. At least that 13-page letter was leaked out to all of us for us to see and to make judgment on, you know, Sam Hankey. I, I, first and foremost, am a, a lifelong Philadelphia 76ers fan. I love the team. I, you know, I ride with the team. I support the team, my favorite team ever. In, not in sports, but in basketball. It's my favorite team. That's my squad. And so I look at it. I look at Sam Hinkie. I look at what he did in terms of tanking. I look at, you know, 40-plus wins and, and over the three-year span. I say, who cares? I mean, this the process, the trust the process, which I get that at this point is, has ended. But trust the process, to me, was about trusting the process. And, and to me, in terms of trusting the process – you know, Sam Hinkie had an agenda. Sam Hinkie had a plan, and his plan was to break the Philadelphia 76ers down, essentially tank for a period of time, and build it back up piece by piece by piece by piece. And, and I look at the Philadelphia 76ers, well, you can say, well, this is not a destination for free agents. But was Philadelphia over the past few years ever really a destination for free agents? I mean, you, you got out in Brand a few years back who took the Philly Max, as he said. But, I mean, Elton Brand really wasn't what the Sixers paid for. He wasn't. But if you're the Philadelphia 76ers, even though you're the fifth largest market in basketball, uh, you are a team, in my opinion, that has to sometimes overpay for free agents. You're not an L.A. You're not an L.A. You're not a New York. You're not a Miami, I don't think. You're not those premier and prime locations you're you're, you're not that so as far as I'm concerned if you're in Philadelphia and you're Sam Hinky and you're the 76ers you sometimes well you Sam not he's gone, but you're a 76 as organization you got to do things that you know sometimes overpay for free agents and, and so with that being said I was okay with breaking this product down because its better to be bad than it is to be in the middle in the NBA you know the Atlanta Hawks been to the playoffs for X amount of years, but the Atlanta Hawks really hadn't done much. I know last year ultimately they got to the Eastern Conference Finals, but as a whole, the Atlanta Hawks hadn't done much. Now, they didn't have to break it all the way down the way the Sixers had to, but you look at the Philadelphia 76ers, what they did was you know, they they made a splash move in trying to bring in Andrew Bynum as the centerpiece of this franchise with the hope that he could be the centerpiece and the hope that he could take this team to the next level, a team that took Boston to seven games the year before. Well, you brought in Andrew Bynum. He never played a game for you, never got healthy, was always injured, stayed injured, and you were never really able to, to, to put him on the basketball court, and you were never able to see what he could do. And so... After that, my thought is, at that point, break down. Break this thing down. You know, but let's break this thing all the way down to figure out how we can build this thing back up. And I was okay with the plan. Because, you know, people could say, well, you know, tanking this, tanking that. So what? Celtics tried it. The, 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 The Rockets tried it many moons ago. Got Olajuwon, got Samson. People do it. Stop it! This is nothing new. Has, has has anyone has been as blatantly obvious as the Sixers? Probably not. But this is nothing new. This is not something we have not seen before. This is not uncharted territory. But the Sixers, you know, they 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 were open and honest about it, essentially, essentially. And so they tanked. And you can look at their drafts over the years. You can say, well, what happened? They 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 still haven't gotten their franchise guy. Their franchise guy could be the guy who's been in street clothes over the past two seasons, who you've been watching in warm-ups, who's been doing some great things in warm-ups and between-the-legs dunks and all that great stuff, and Joel Embiid. That's if he can be healthy. Maybe it's Jalil Okafor, but I'm not a guy who's in love with Jalil Okafor. I'm willing to move Jalil Okafor. Narolins Noel. Narolins Noel is who he is. He's a defender, he's an energy guy. Blocks some shots. He can do a bunch of different things, more so on the defensive end than the offensive end. I'm okay with keeping him and matching and pairing him with Embiid. I believe you can get more for Okafor. So I'm okay if I have to move Oak 4 I'm okay with that. But the Sixers at this point, this was supposed to be the year where they make do. This was supposed to be the year where the Sixers cash in. You know, they got a bunch of cap space. A bunch of cap space. You know, they they got a bunch of draft picks. They got assets for date. Put a week on it. They got assets. Four first-round, possibly four first-round draft picks coming up. You know, you got Miami's pick. You got OKC's pick. And you might even get the Lakers pick when it's all said and done. So, you got a lot of assets and you got your own pick, which could be the number one pick. So, the Sixers, if if, if you're Brian Colangelo, who's going to take over as the GM and Jerry Colangelo, if you're the Colangelo's, you got to be pretty happy about what you're about to work with. You know, you've you, you got a clean slate, if you will, pretty much. You know, you look at the roster, there's not many on this roster who will be around. So you have an opportunity to pretty much construct this roster with a lot of assets. You have an opportunity to construct this roster with a bunch of picks and a bunch of cap space. So this is a great opportunity for the calangelos And I, I, I do believe that the league you know, wanted Jerry Colangelo with the Sixers. I do believe that the league was a, was a little unhappy with the Tank and Sixers. I do believe the league was. But The way the league is set up, this must be done. I I, I mean, I, I, I never, I never, ever, 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 knocked the plan. Never. No problems with the plan. I trusted the process. And just like Brett Brown said, you know, he wanted to see Sam Hinkie, you know, run his course with this process. So did I. I-, I. I wanted to see this process all the way through. I wanted to see this process. I wanted Sam Hinkie to take this, us through the process until the end. That's what I wanted to see. And, obviously, it won't happen. And it's now time to hand it over to the Colangelos, and we'll see what the Colangelos can do. I will say this. When when Sam Hinkey stepped on to the scene in Philadelphia, the cupboard was bare. You know, you gave up. You had Iguodala who left. You traded the year before in that Bynum deal. You lost Nikola 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 Vucevic, who obviously is putting who put up who's putting up numbers, double double type numbers in Orlando. You lost that. That's gone. You know, and, and so it, it hasn't worked. It hasn't worked out for you. And and you know before like I said. When he took it over, when he took it over, Evan Turner was here, Drew Holiday was here, that is young, Not great. Not great at all. Now, I, I look at the Sixers, as far as I'm concerned, they are a team now who's, who's, who decided that they needed to do it a little different. Not different, but they decided that they needed to break this thing down. They did. The roster, of what they had, the cupboard was bare. It was a bare cupboard, bare. When they when they took this up, when when Hinky took it over, it was bad. It was not a good situation. That situation needed to be broken down. It needed to be broken down. now it it didn't it, it's, i think what hurt him i think what hurt him is joe o b joe om b not coming back next last season and not well this season not playing that hurt and and before i move on l- let me let me let me just give you the roster for the philadelphia seventy sixers pre-Hinke, pre-Sam Hanky. You ready? Lavoie Allen, Kwame Brown, Spencer Hawes, Drew Holiday, who's, you know, playing decent now for New Orleans, but has been a guy who struggled with injuries. Justin Holiday, Royale Ivy, Charles Jenkins, Shelvin Mack, Arnett Moultrie, Jeremy Pargo. These are the names of of the players who played for the Sixers in 2012, 2013. Jason Richardson, past his prime, Jason Richardson. Evan Turner, who's solid. But again, look at this roster. Malik Wayans, Damian Wilkins, Darrell Wright, Nick Young. That young. Again, look at that roster. Look at that roster. Pre Hinky. He didn't have much to work with. Did he have really any other choice but to break this down? I don't think so. I don't think so at all. And he put the Sixers in position to put them in position with draft picks, with Possibly, possibly Dario Sarge coming over, who's been playing some decent basketball overseas. Noel improving. You still have Okafor, even though I think he's gone. And of course, I, I think the jewel of it all, if he can get on the basketball court, is Joel. And Embiid, if he can get on the basketball court, and it's been a big, big, if. Philadelphia Seventy Sixers have fifty million dollars in cap space. They have fifty million dollars in cap space, a bunch of draft picks, still have Embiid, Noel, and Okafor, so you still have some assets that you can trade. So the Sixers, dare I say, are in good shape. And Sam Hinckley is the reason the Sixers are in such good shape. So you could, and, and, and I think I think it is more than just, you know, I, I think it's more, you know, there was talk now that, you know, they, they wanted to bring in some other guys to kind of help Sam Hinckley. Reports are he wasn't happy with that. And so, you know, he decided that he had enough. And, you know, you kind of figure with, with Jerry Colangelo in the mix that the Philadelphia 76ers, it was the Colangelo's show. He was the boss. And it was his decisions on what, on what was going to happen. I mean, you brought in Sam Hinkie with, with with you know the idea and the thought that he was going to do what he exactly he did. You brought him in with that idea, with that thought, with that belief, and so he did essentially what he said he was going to do. And I and I hear people, you know, fix the games and. You know they did this and that, and, and tanking is not right. It's wrong, and and fans are paying money to see a horrible, garbage product that has no chance of winning. I get all that, but I, I truly believe that there that I would say there was a the, uh, there was a large amount of people who was okay with this, who was okay with because we saw mediocre basketball. I saw. Andre Iguodala as the leader of this basketball team, as the star of this basketball team. I saw going to the playoffs and knowing that you really had no chance of winning in the first round, you could make it interesting, but knowing you had no chance of winning in the first round and knowing that you had most definitely no chance to win a championship. So I've seen all that and I've seen enough of it to say that I've seen enough that I don't want to see it anymore. So I was okay with Sam Hinkie doing what he did. I had no problems with Sam Hinkie doing what he did. Bottom line is this. The situation is better now than it was then. I don't care what you say. It's better now than it was before he took over. The Andrew Bynum deal forced Sam Hinkie, the Philadelphia 76ers, to go in this direction, it was okay. It was okay, from my standpoint. They're in a better spot. They're in a better position. Now we could talk about Sam Hinkie, the communicator, and obviously, he wasn't much of a communicator. He wasn't much of a communicator. So I think at the end of the day, you can say what you want about Sam Hink. and And it could be similar to what happened to Chip Kelly. You know, the guys are not the most personable individuals. They're geniuses. They're smart. Too smart sometimes for their own good. The smartest guy in the room. Sometimes the smartest guy in the room has a hard time relating with everyone else. Sometimes that happens, and so was Sam hinkey relatable? Probably not. The 13-page essay would tell you that he's probably not the most relatable guy. Just not. And you know, he came in here on you know on the heels of the you know with Daryl Morey and, 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 and analytics. He was he was about analytics and. You know, he's going to use the analytical approach and stats and numbers and everything to, to, to you know, rule the, his way and, and, and help him make decisions. I wonder if he'll get another opportunity. That should be interesting. I'm interested to see if he will get another decision. And I'm just looking through. This manifesto, I'm looking through this, this, this essay, you know, and here, let me just read a paragraph, a couple sentences. Investing in disruptive innovation doesn't ferment misunderstanding. It necessitates it. Jeff Bezos says it this way, there are a few prerequisites to inventing You have to be willing to fail. You have to be willing to think long-term. You have to be willing to be misunderstood for long periods of time. A yearning for innovation requires real exploration, requires a persistent search to try and fail to move your understanding forward with a new tool, a new technique, a new insight. Sadly, the first innovation often isn't even all that helpful, but may well provide a path to ones that are this is the idea that Stephen Johnson, where good ideas come from, popularized, called the adjacent possible, where finding your way through a labyrinth of ignorance requires you to first open the door into a room of understanding, one by its very existence has new doors to new rooms with deeper insight lurking behind them. In most endeavors, it's fine to be content to woodshed until you get something near perfect. You want that to be you. Grit matters, but it won't be long until some innovation makes all that effort newly obsolete. You want that to be you too. He, he is the smartest man in the room. Let me read this let me read this paragraph. Jeff Bezos says that if Amazon had a good quarter it was because of work they did three, four, five years ago. Not because they did a good job that quarter. Today's league-leading Golden State Warriors acquired Draymond Green, Andrew Bogan, and Clay Thompson almost four years ago, nearly four years ago exactly, and almost five years ago. In this league, the long view picks at the lock of mediocrity. Let's go down some. More practically, take a long view at an unintuitive advantage, build in fewer competitors. Here's Warren Buffett in the late 80s on the topic. In any sort of contest, financial, mental, or physical, it's an enormous advantage to have opponents who have been taught that it's useless to even try. Ass who wants to trade for an in his prime Kevin Garnett, and 30 hands will go up. Ass who planned for it three or four years in advance, and Danny Ainge is nearly alone. Same for Daryl Moore in Houston trading for James Harden. San Antonio's Peter Holt said after signing LaMarcus Aldridge this summer, RC came to us with this plan three years ago, four years ago. Seriously, and we worked at it ever since. Those are some of the words of Sam Hinkie, and as I read through that, and I always referenced the Boston Celtics, and 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 you know there was talk, you know, what Danny Ainge was doing, what, all the things that Danny Ainge was doing, like what the heck is Danny Ainge doing? People were asking those questions about Danny Ainge. What the heck is he doing? And then ultimately, he got a bunch of assets. And ultimately, in getting those assets, he was able to move those assets around and turn Al Jefferson into Kevin Garnett, turn the number five pick into Ray Allen, team that up with Paul Pierce, draft, right rondo and ultimately that led to what happened in Boston in 2008 which led to a championship which led to Danny Ainge and the Boston Celtics having a competitive run for three or four years where you had the Celtics you know ultimately going to the NBA finals and going to the NBA Finals two times with opportunities to win two times. They won once and almost beat the Lakers another time. And so, you know, at at the end of the day, the Boston Celtics took a chance, and they were patient with Danny Ainge and his process and his plan. And his plan turned into an NBA title. In competitive basketball, throughout. So, we'll see what happens with the Philadelphia and sixers We'll see. Time will be the judge. I just don't want them to be impatient. I just don't want them to go out and try to get somebody just to 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 win an extra few ball games. Just to win, those to win thirty ball games. I'm, I, I don't want that. Uh, what I'm hoping for the Philadelphia 76ers next season is to be. I'm uh, I'm ready at this point to start winning. I'm ready at this point to to at least do something. I would love next season for the Sixers to win 30 plus games with with this young with young talent, not with the guy that you bring in that you overpay for with young talent. I would like to see the Sixers win a few games and and see what happens. You look at. Uh, you know Detroit a few years ago, when they had some money, and you know they I they, they believe they paid they paid Villanueva, Charlie Villanueva some money. I believe they paid Ben Gordon some money. They paid somebody else some money too. And it just it was it was mediocrity. It it didn't take the Detroit Pistons anywhere. And it ultimately cost Joe D Joe Dumars their job, his job. It, it, it cost. Joe Dumars his job. So I mean, again, maybe you know Hinkie's not personable. Maybe Hinkie has alienated some guys over the years. But it, it, I trust I, I trust the process, and I'm okay. And I'm looking at it. You look at it back in 2009, when the Pistons, who had some money, gave Ben Gordon a bunch of money, five years, 55 mil gave Charlie in a wave of some money. And, and you know, those guys, you know, they, they they were decent players, but it did nothing. It did nothing. Nothing at all. And so I don't want that. I don't want that. I don't want the Colangelo's to do that. And I hope that's not their plan. I, I hope on some level they stay the course. And what I mean by stay the course, stay young, and, and, and you know, try to build this thing. I, and I hope. But we'll see what they do, and that should be interesting. You know, we, we I wasn't even on the air when we had the situation with D'Angelo Russell and Nick Young, and I wasn't able to talk, but I'm going to talk about it right now. You had the situation with D'Angelo Russell and Nick Young where, you know, D'Angelo Russell taped the conversation between Nick Young and himself, and ultimately, you know Nick Young talking about girls and so on, and we all know Nick Young was engaged to Iggy Azalea. And ultimately, that got out to everybody through this 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 video. And ultimately, that led to Iggy Azalea Iggy Azalea breaking it off with Nick Young, which led to you know a big story and a big situation within the Laker locker room. Now you got D'Angelo Russell apologizing and Nick Young and. Nick Young says he accepted apology, but you got Byron Scott saying Nick Young is not himself. He doesn't seem right, and and, and so on and so forth. But I I, I look and, you know, I got people saying, well, could Nick Young, can, not Nick Young, can D'Angelo Russell come back from this, so on and so forth. But I think he'll be fine. I don't think he'll ever do this again, but I will say this. It was a prank, but it was a prank that a young boy would do, a prank as they say in Philly, a young boy would do. Uh, you know, there's the, a the prank that a guy who's young would do. It, it's a young man's prank. D'Angelo Russell's 20 years old. That, the, the type of prank that he did, he thought it was funny, but it's not funny. How you messing with Nick Young's life? But here's what I say. And, and, you know, everybody can say, well, you know, broke the man code, broke this, broke that, so on and so forth. And he, he did, sure. But here's the thing. And, and I think sometimes, and, and I'm not here to be the moral police, Because that's not my job. I'm not here to judge because I think God does it a little better than I do. But I will say this. I will say this. The good man above God, Jesus, they do a lot better than I do. I will say it this way, and I'll say it this, and I'll say this, most definitely say this. What happens in the dark finds a way to get to the light. That what happens in the dark Comes to light It gets to the light And basically That's what we're seeing here Nick Young What he did in the dark Got to the light This is probably not the first time Nick Young has been cheating You know In, in life sometimes it's not the first time It's not the first thing That gets you caught Maybe not even the second thing That gets you caught Maybe the, the thing that you get caught for Is not the thing that you've been doing Was Al Capone You know A mobster well, they get him on tax evasion, right? But that's not mainly what he was doing, but that's ultimately what they got him on. So Nick Young may have been out there with this one, that one, white one, the black one, so on and so forth, but ultimately doing that got him caught up, and he got caught. And in the process of getting caught, you know, D'Angelo Russell pretty much dimed him out. I don't know how D'Angelo Russell doesn't know how he doesn't know how it got out there. I don't know either, but that's a situation where you tape somebody like that, you immediately erase, erase it. And you know, even if you're joking, you know, if you're joking and you're trying to pull off a prank, or maybe he did and he sent it to one of his boys, and one of his boys, you know what? let me make a couple extra dollars, leak it to this to TMZ or somebody, and, and, and you know, see what I can do. But obviously. You know, obviously D'Angelo Russell's reputation takes a hit. And, you know, you could say rightfully so. But I, I think ultimately this is a learned experience for D'Angelo Russell. And I think at the end of the day, if the Lakers decide to keep D'Angelo Russell, I don't think there's any way to keep Nick Young around. And and quite frankly, I wouldn't keep Nick Young around if D'Angelo if I believe D'Angelo Russell is one of the pieces of my franchise moving forward. I don't keep I don't keep Nick Young around. Nick Young is not a guy is a, not a franchise caliber guy. D'Angelo Russell could be that dude. So I'm keeping D'Angelo Russell around, not Nick Young. So I mean ultimately it was a mistake, maybe, maybe they on purpose, who knows. But I think ultimately he won't do it again. And and I think ultimately, you know, I think the the thing that's getting lost is what comes, what happens in the dark comes to light, and what happened in the dark come, came to light, and and you know everybody paid for it, everybody paid for it, and so we'll see what happens moving forward. But I think you know this is a learning experience for Nick Young, learning experience for D'Angelo Russell, and you know hopefully everybody is all. The better you got the, the Chicago Cubs Schwarber out for the season torn ACL torn ACL um, excuse me torn ACL torn LCL and 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 so you know you look at that and and obviously that's a huge hit for the uh, the, the Cubs right now you know a, a young stud out for the year that's huge that's huge. And, you know, a lot, a lot, a lot of love being thrown at the Cubs coming into this season. A lot of love. And, you know, obviously this hurts. This hurts. So they got some outfield depth, which helps. But it hurts. This most definitely hurts. But the Chicago Cubs now losing Schwarber for, an ex- for the year. ACL, LCL, and it's an unfortunate thing. Very unfortunate thing. So we'll we'll see how the Cubs respond moving forward. And again, they have the depth in the outfield. And those outfield collisions are always dangerous, man. They are always dangerous because guys are going full speed. It's not like a football and the pros are going full speed. You got some pads on. You got no protection. No protection. No protection at all when you're going full speed ahead. Actually, before before we get out of here, let let let's bring in Ryan University assisted basketball. Uh, he hung up. We were going to bring him in, but you know it it it's you know you're going full speed. Two guys going at each other full speed. And, and you know, injuries are bound to happen. And that's why those outfield collisions are dangerous, man. Full speed ahead at each other. And then, unfortunately, bang, boom, boom. And, it's, uh, you know, you, you have a big-time injury. Tough situation for the Cubs. Very tough. Greg Hardy had an interview the other day with ESPN and Adam Schefter. Obviously, in looking at that interview and 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 watching that interview, I, I still don't see a guy who's contrite. I I still don't see a guy. He, he's just not smart. Like, what, what, what's wrong with you, dude? Are you just mental? Like, what, what what's wrong with you, dude? Like, you you can't just say I'm sorry. You can't say I made a few mistakes. I'm trying to be better moving forward. I'm you know I'm getting the help. That I need moving forward, so I can become a better guy. You just can't say that. You have to stick by your story and say, you know, I'm this, and that, and what have you. I never touched, laid hands on a woman. All these other things. I made mistakes, but I never laid hands on a woman. And, and so, you know, that's crazy. And I look at that situation. I look at that situation, man. And I'm like, dude, you got to be smarter than that, dude. Just say you, you, you you're, you're sorry say you're trite, he's never done that. And and I think you know you you got to do it. Especially after he got another opportunity in Dallas. I think there's something wrong with Greg Hardy. And I think maybe he needs to not play football for a period of time so he can get the help that he needs. But you can't get help if you're in denial. And right now Greg Hardy, I see a guy who's in a little bit of denial at this point of his life. But hopefully he'll get out of that denial and hopefully he'll work on trying to become the best man he could be. I want to thank former UCLA wide receiver Jordan Payton for stopping by. I also want to thank uh, Darrell Eskridge from the Arizona Cardinals for stopping by. You can listen to this show and other shows, blocktalkradiocom slash where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Follow us on Twitter at and go G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. For everybody here go for it. have a great weekend. See you later. Take care. Bye.